if you look at a person's priority list, it's the stuff they do for their work. It's the stuff they do for their family. It's the stuff they do for their household. And then all the way at the bottom for most people is the stuff they do for themselves. And by the time they get down to themselves, the stuff they want to do are reward, joy bringing things. And for most people, that's not exercise. We try to move our exercise game out of the chore list and over to the reward list for people so that by the time they do get to it, there's a little bit of joy that, that, that comes with the instance of interacting with it. And, and the mechanics of it are all designed around these daily loops. So you have one day to do your work, which is a certain amount of steps. And you can get them in any way you can get them in. You can do them in the morning or the evening or a little bit over the course of the day. And then as you spend those steps in the app, you start to get these affirmation moments. And that creates in not only a sense of progress and fulfillment, but it also chemically creates dopamine in the brain and you feel happy mm -hmm. that you're getting those steps. And then if you're actually working out, you get the endorphins as well. So you get two different positive inputs from the program. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Mike Tinney. Mike is the founder and CEO of Fix Health, which powers a step ahead, a wellness app that leverages technology and the expertise of Fix Health's team of health professionals to help individuals take control of their health and wellness. Welcome to our show, Mike. Hi. Thanks for great having to me. to have you, my friend. No, it's my pleasure. So this is great. How, how did you end up launching this? Is your background in health? No, my background's in game design and consumer entertainment. And I think like a lot of folks I, who start a company, I was trying to solve one of my own problems and I wasn't maybe smart enough to predict how high the hill was going to be. So I just started climbing before I saw where the top was going to be. So I was training for a 10K and wasn't as consistent as I wanted to be with my run, my race prep. And I started to think on one of my runs that if I could make each instance of my prep as immediately gratifying and rewarding, and I hate to use this word, but I will for this as fun as when I would play a game, video game, then I would probably be a lot more eager to come back to each training or each prep run and a lot more consistent in doing it because it wouldn't mm. just be making an investment for some future thing that hadn't happened yet, but it would be immediately gratifying and immediately rewarding and immediately making progress. That's when you went in and you created this program. Yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I didn't start the company for maybe a year and a half later, but I just kept coming back to the idea over and over again. And, and I had reached a point where I had finished an iteration at the company I was at. I was its president and I had helped it reach a certain size and certain scale. And it was time for me to think about either what I wanted to do next inside of that company or what I wanted to do next outside of that company. So I just had reached one of those intersection points and I decided I wanted to do this. Walk us through the experience of a company using your program. What does it involve for the employees or the people that are sure. involved in that business? 
Yeah, I would say the main thing to keep in mind is that we didn't start out with a corporate health background. So I do have some folks in the organization now who have that experience and that expertise, but even before we entered, the market was in a rapid sort of sense of change with the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act coming into the marketplace. It was an open playbook. And I say that to kind of preface what we've made is essentially something cool for HR people to bring to their companies. Normally, HR, a housekeeping department, they get saddled with a lot of the catch-all tasks that are involved with that has to do with our people. We can't get another department to run it. We'll have HR do it. And wellness absolutely fell. Like HR people are not health experts normally. Some of them are, but not many. But yet HR got saddled with this whole concept of HR has to be in charge of wellness because it's for our people and it's a benefit and we want HR to run it for them. Some companies hire wellness professionals. They tend to be pretty few and far between. So we took an approach where a company can use our services and it feels like you're planning a company retreat or a trip to the movies or something like that. So all of the onboarding material kind of looks like movies, posters, it's slick. It has a consumer entertainment vibe to it. It talks about uh, the theme, which is one of three people can choose from right now. It's either a zombie apocalypse or a robot uprising or an alien invasion. And you're going through this health program where you're daily walking and exercise feeds into the video game and then you play that game with your coworkers. So there's a sense of excitement about the event even before it starts. So we tend to get 30 to 35% higher signups than most other wellness programs because people are, look forward to it. It looks like it's going to be enjoyable. It looks like it's going to be something and it usually is both enjoyable and it's definitely different from any other wellness program out there. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of making life fun, making business fun. Don't take life so serious, calm things down and just relax and go with the flow. Don't force things. What you're talking about right now is basically you're incorporating fun in any kind of company. I think so. So I try not to use the word fun as a game designer because a lot of people think games are fun. And there are a lot of great games that aren't fun. They're rewarding, they're challenging, they're dynamic. Okay. You get that dopamine, a chemical release in your brain when you hit a game element that gives you a reward or you overcome a challenge. But you ask a lot of people that have played Monopoly over the years. Monopoly is a particularly fun game. Like Monopoly yes. is a zero-sum game where it ends up somebody has everything and everybody else gets run out of the game. And that's not really fun. <laughs> But so I will say that people enjoy our game, but I am very careful not to use the word mm. fun because fun's subjective. One person's fun isn't necessarily somebody else's mm. fun, but we do create a dynamic, engaging and rewarding experience that takes people into a health journey and allows, no pun intended, like every step along the way to count for something and matter. Another term would be it's enjoyable. If there's a company that didn't have this and a company that does have this, an employee would find the environment more enjoyable when they get to participate in something like this. And, and to be clear and fair to you, a lot of people yeah. do call this fun. It's just the snobby yeah. game designer in just, me that says, yeah. that's not the word I would use. Uh, yeah, I, I use I get enjoyable it. or entertaining. That's a big number there, 30%, huh? 
it's not our biggest number, but yeah, mm-hmm. when we do registration, we have basically three metrics that we care about. What percentage of your population can we get to sign up for your health program? It's a physical health intervention. So it has a clinician behind it that's designed the intervention. The guts of the engine is a very clinically sound behavioral change program. But on the surface, it's this side-scrolling video game that you play. So we care about what percentage of your population we can get to sign up. And it's usually 30 to 35% more than your company's standard percent. And I'm very careful to say it that way because a lot of people think it's the wellness provider that determines your percentage of adoption, but it's actually the company culture that creates the baseline. If you have a company Mm -hmm. culture that's transparent and you have an engaged C-suite and they're super involved with what's going on and the employees have bought into the mission and the journey that they're going on, then you're going to have a higher adoption for anything that you do. And you're the opposite of that, then people are probably checked out and they're not going to be particularly excited about a new program. So we can work with whatever that company has and boost engagement or boost signups by that 30 to 35% number. But we're just like any other wellness provider, we don't override or overrule Mm. the company culture. It still matters if the CEO talks about this program or any other program with enthusiasm. More people will get involved with it if they do. So I guess I mentioned three metrics. The second one we care about is retention. So this is really overlooked in the wellness space. People just have a hard time with it. Uh, Yeah. And it's the most important metric for us. We have a 94.4% average retention rate. So it's unheard of in the space. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we started in the 60s and we've just been grinding on it for about half a decade now. We constantly look for areas of the app and the game and the experience that would give somebody a quick reflex. And we try to sand those down or smooth them out so that you end up having less reasons to drop out and more mm. reasons to stay in. And then include all of the dirty tricks from, I don't know if you have kids or nephews or nieces, but if they have a video game and you try to get them to the dinner table and they're on the video game, they always just want five more minutes, but it's a rolling five minutes. Once that first five minutes is up, they want another five. So we we try Mm. to take some of those sort of game design elements and put them into this Mm. experience. Yeah. I'm impressed when I heard that number because consistency is a factor that many people have an issue with. You connected with something about the belief in what they're doing or some kind of a emotional connection that they kept at it for such a high percentage. People just tend to stop. They do. If you look at a person's priority list, it's the stuff they do for their work. It's the stuff they do for their family. It's the stuff they do for their household. And then all the way at the bottom for most people is the stuff they do for themselves. And by the time they get down to themselves, the stuff they want to do are reward, joy-bringing things. And for most people, that's not exercise. We try to move our exercise game out of the chore list and over to the reward list for people so that by the time they do get to it, there's a little bit of joy that that, that comes with the instance of interacting with it. And, And the mechanics of it are all designed around these daily loops. So you have one day to do your work, which is a certain amount of steps. You can get them in any way you can get them in. You can do them in the morning or the evening or a little bit over the course of the day. And then as you spend those steps in the app, you start to get these affirmation moments. And that creates in not only a sense of progress and fulfillment, 
but it also chemically creates dopamine in the brain and you feel happy mm -hmm. that you're getting those steps. And then if you're actually working out, you get the endorphins as well. So you get two different positive inputs from, mm -hmm. from the program. Mm -hmm. With such a innovative wellness program, can you speak about the bottom line when businesses incorporate such a program like yours? Yeah, I will put a caveat on this. The mm -hmm. American healthcare system is a system that is designed to respond to incidences. So your insurance company is built to pay for your medical bills and then charge your company a little bit more than they charged last year to make a profit on the service they provide. And the entire medical industry is generally a response to problem industry. Medical industry and the insurance industry has a really hard time placing an ROI on preventative care or good health. It's built to respond to health problems and it's built to monetize that response. Mm. It's extremely resistant to disruption limits the amount of health bills somebody can rack up. And I'm not talking about individual doctors, I'm sure, care about the health of their patients. I'm just talking about the design of the industry itself and the way that industry, the economy of that industry works. A hospital doesn't stay in business very easily if people don't need its services. Of course. Uh, because they're built as profit or for-profit institutions. That's my caveat, is that it's hard to establish an ROI on well-being. Mm -hmm because the entire industry is designed to do the exact opposite. However, we do have a couple of clients that are 10,000 plus life uh, employers, and they have dedicated wellness specialists inside those clients. And some of them have done ROI analysis on our program. For those clients, one in particular, and we have their permission, their ROI analysis is on our website, but they have an eight to one return on their investment. And they reached that understanding by taking our data of who participated and who stayed through to the end and didn't quit from the program and what their average activity level was against their health risk assessment, where employees self-reported whether they were sedentary or active, if they smoked, if they didn't smoke, what their personal habits were, along with their weight and biometrics. And then their third data point was the insurance utilization of their population as segmented by their health mm. risk assessment. So they knew how much a sedentary employee costs to insure every year and how much an active employee costs to insure. And then they took our data of how many sedentary employees we helped to change their behavior into active. And they applied a predicted cost savings of that now active employee who's no longer sedentary and no longer costing as much insurance dollars as a sedentary mm -hmm. now costs were costing less. They were costing an active employee insurance. And they do this. They've been our client for about six years. They do this study every year. It's just good. be able to sign That's off good. on hiring us again. But we're one of their best two or three programs that they have yeah. in there in terms of the value that we provide for the population. But there aren't a lot of companies that are willing and able or even have the internal capabilities to do that sort of cost-benefit analysis. This could probably also have an effect on individual performance, like their productivity. There are studies, independent studies, that show that a person who is exercising regularly is sick less often, is more mentally engaged when they're at work. Presenteeism and absenteeism are the two 
terms that are bandied about in the industry there. And th those are all other people's studies that we can point to. As a game designer, I'm just trying to hack the human problem of, I know you don't mm. want to do this, but can I provide you an entertainment experience that mm. you tolerate it? And if so, for mm -hmm. how long? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they would go for something like this because all I'm hearing is benefits. Or is there any drawbacks by implementing such a program in a business? Yeah, it's not free. So we do charge for it because we're a private company. It's an but investment. We're mid-market in price, so we're not the most expensive and we're not the cheapest. Mm -hmm. The one thing we've really innovated on is we've figured out how to scale both up and down in employer size. So some wellness companies won't touch a company, won't touch a client of less than 5,000 or 1,000 employees because they just can't make the economy of scale work. Mm -hmm. Can actually go down to a small company of just 10 employees. We oh, have right. everything set up to be automated on our website. So if you're a small yeah. company, you can just go to our website, use our tech, follow our kind of our one, two, three steps, and you're off to the races, so to speak. And if you're <laughs> a larger company, then we have health wellness professionals in the company and they can work with you on a consultant basis and run the program for you. Mm. And it's a fairly minimal list in either. So, case. so for a small business or entrepreneur that considers implementing a wellness program or your program, is it going to affect time needed for individuals that work at that company? Meaning is it more time consuming yeah. or is it incorporates in what they're doing at the moment? generally is not more time consuming. Okay. In a small company, you might not even have an HR person. You might just have a controller or a, a, a CFO and they're doing payroll and the other benefits components. Mm -hmm. it, it maybe takes them 15 minutes to set this up on our website. And then they forward an email to their staff. Whoever signs up and downloads our app gets put into our system and our automation and mm -hmm. things run from there. For an employee, you need to be in the app about five minutes a day. The real game is played as you incorporate more activity into your daily life. So we're trying to get you up mm -hmm. to eight to 12,000 steps a day. That magical buzzy number of 10,000 steps is a good center line, but you really need to be closer to eight to get the health benefits of just regular walking. And then the other target is 150 active minutes a week. So 30 minutes of moderate physical activity, which can be walking five days a week hits that Department of Health standard that I, I think five to 8% of Americans hit on their own, but we get most of our people up, up to that standard through the program. Having stress in business or employment, there's some that suffer from it. Do you have any data on implementing such a wellness program helps with the leadership's stress level and decision-making capabilities, and also the effect on the employees when it comes to managing stress and decision-making? Yeah, I would say we have anecdotal data, soft data, nothing that's going to stand up under too much scrutiny. But physical activity is an anchor habit. So once you are doing that anchor habit, a lot of things tend to follow. So you start to hydrate better. You often sleep better. Because it's a team-based activity, we haven't really talked much about that, but it's, you're on a team with your coworkers. And okay. so you, there's a little bit of a social currency that starts to occur inside of the program yeah. where you're helping me when I can't do some of the work and I'm helping you when you can't do some of the work. And that teamwork is a bit of a team building mm. program. So you feel a little yeah. bit better about your coworkers. You get to know them better. We have a lot of companies that have, especially since the pandemic, 
uh, there's a very high percentage of our customers where the employees aren't in each other's air every day. They're either in home offices or they're spread across multiple offices or what have you. So this is a touch point for them socially where your company can interact with each other and do things together. Excellent, Mike. Can you share what you feel your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in life? Yeah, I was afraid of this. I heard one of your other podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what my superpower is. I would say in a self-deprecating way, I don't spend the time to look at how hard or big a task is going to be before I start working on it. So uh, like trying to fix a problem that America has been unable to fix since its inception in terms of we're a consumer society and we like supersized everything and America leads the world on a top five list for diabetes and obesity and stuff like that. And I just left the video game industry and charged straight into the side of this, trying to figure out how to make it easier for people to be more consistent with a baseline level of healthy activity. Like we're not creating star athletes or anything. We're just helping people fit into their genes. And maybe my willingness to just jump in before I look too far ahead, that is brought me here. I guess you call my superpower a lack of foresight. In a good way. Yeah. Uh, it's a good way because sometimes when we overanalyze, we don't take a step either. Yeah. If you're taking one step at a time, it usually works out better, I feel. But that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mike, and appreciate you coming on the show. It was great talking yeah. to you about what you did here because gamifying has always been on my mind that everything should be more, I'm not going to use that term anymore, more enjoyable. At least for this episode, I'm not going to say fun, but it's okay. you can say it. That's okay. I know you're my guest, so show you respect. So I'll just <laughs> keep that term. Enjoy is pretty good. It's the same for me to feel when something is enjoyable. I feel like it's fun, but yep. to incorporate this into our work environment, the aspect of health and wellness to make it more enjoyable to participate, it just adds a little icing on what they do. I don't know the actual mm -hmm. details of the program and how it works and everything, but if it's animated, if it's getting everybody together, yeah. I could see a lot more relationships being built more than kind of pointing the finger, but now you're becoming as a family more integrated through this system. And not to mention, like you said, you want people to fit in their genes and that is huge problem to fix. And I'm grateful to have met you as an entrepreneur, what you're doing to solve this problem. And next question, I wanted to just ask you this, are you just focused on America or is this a global offering? It's, it's global. So we're very lightweight with the data that we collect. In fact, we really don't even own our data. So if we're using, it's a step powered game. So we're receiving step data and it's coming from your iPhone or your Android phone. Got it. And Apple and Google own that data. So mm -hmm. in that regard, we're very friendly for multinational corporations. We are HIPAA and GDPR compliant, but we don't even use any of that data. It's lightweight. It's simple. It's easy to implement. It's effective. We don't really overthink it. <laughs> we just try Good. to get people to move. Wonderful. Thank Would you. I be imposing on your hospitality if I asked to mention my website? You're more than welcome. Like I, the whole purpose of this is to spread your message where it can add value for the audience and add value in your world. It's all about adding value. Please. 
I, I appreciate it. It's just sachallenge.com, short for a step ahead, sachallenge.com. Yeah, thank you so it. much, Mike. It was, it was nice great to meet talking you. to you. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Audience, thank you once again for joining us. You have heard some interesting things today from Mike. If you have a business, even if it's small, you might want to look into this if you want to get people more productive, healthier on your benefit plans. It will be a little bit easier on the benefit plans as well. So thank you so much for joining and tuning in today. And we will see you next time. And Mike, thank you so much. Thank you as well. I had a great time. I appreciate it. Great. Same here.